0: Live from Las Vegas, this is the Wayne Coy
1: Show. I love the announcers. So glad the playoffs are here because it's just so much fun. People get into hockey and those announcers are crazy, man. They're in better shape than half the athletes. They don't breathe until somebody scores. They must have their own oxygen tanks. They just suck it up and go. It's like, Lambs, over to Lysiac, over to Buford, over to Lambs, over the Blue Line, over to Williams, at the court, Harry digging malarchuk Malarczyk keeps coming back into the boards, the puck is loose, man, that one's gonna bring. Lambs, but that was another hip check by Malarchuk. this time, maybe digs it back out, Johnson keeps in the zone, back over to Lambs, Lysiac, Lysiac, Johnson, we must go Oh,
2: I think it's that time. Welcome back. uh, some more fun on the radio and online everywhere streaming live on Facebook and YouTube your mom's backyard we're all those places and uh, it wouldn't be hockey night without Mr. Hockey himself that would be Chris Collins who's joining us now to tell us why we should care about game four I know why we should care but is it going to work out the way we want it to that's what we got to find out hello coach how are you
3: I am here. Can you hear me? Yeah,
2: we got you fine now. Okay.
3: I apologize. I have an inexpensive operator for uh, connectivity and bandwidth, and they just sent me a text saying, and I was amazed that worked, that the hamster on the turn wheel was actually killed by the cat that caught up to it, and that cut (laughs) off the bandwidth, so I apologize for that.
2: You know, hamster just trying to live a life, Chris, that's all.
3: Yeah, I know. Wow. I know.
2: Okay, well, if it's don't... If at first you don't succeed, try and then try again and try again. And, hey, we got all the commercials for the whole first half hour out of the way already, so that's good. So that that clears the deck, man. So they just started Vegas Golden Knights against Edmonton in Edmonton. Have you got a feel on Game 4?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, uh, Edmonton's going to play desperate because if they play the same way they played the other night, which was to allow... Uh, the Golden Knights to, uh, dominate in their end, not so much dominate with speed and precision, but dominate physically and dictate the pace of play, then that's a loser for Edmonton. Not gonna that's work a that winner way. winner for the Golden Knights. Yep. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, it, uh, you know, Edmonton works off of, you notice they, they, uh, they don't handle the puck a long time. There's a lot of Give and get, give and get, give and get. I mean, they move, and they're doing it at a high rate of speed. The Golden Knights do that as well. But Edmonton as a team is very, very fast. So their game is built around speed and the element of what comes next, whereas the Golden Knights, a lot of talent. If they can slow it down and use their bigger bodies, what I was telling you the other night, they can front the Edmonton net and keep bodies there. They come from the front of the net, to the back of the net and dominate in that 10-foot area, then Edmonton has to spend a lot of time in their own end. And let me tell you something. Guys get tired real quick uh, having to skate the puck 200 feet all the time. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, well, especially
2: especially it's if it's uh, a risk-reward. You get, you get nothing back for all that effort, Chris.
3: Absolutely. Right. And then that plays into it as well. You start convincing yourself, whatever. Now, you know, Edmonton in the third period, sort of calm down a little bit like I thought they would. I told you the night, and just sort of play their game. And uh, they started letting loose with shots, and I thought the uh, uh, Aiden Hill came in, and I thought he played pretty well. I mean, he saw all the shots, and that's a credit. Uh, even when Edmonton started to press, he saw a lot of the shots. He made saves. He didn't give rebounds up. And against Edmonton, you don't want to give rebounds up. That's another thing, because they're coming at a high rate of speed. Rebound comes out. Surely there's going to be another one. The two Edmonton players are going to be around the puck, so I think if the Golden Knights can play even halfway what they did the other night, um, they will have a chance to win tonight and get to that the third game uh, in the uh, win-loss column. Now they got pay. they got
2: they got out front early last game. It was uh, five to one. Seemed like for hours. So um, is this is this key also for Vegas to be able to get an early lead?
3: Well, no. They Edmonton was up. Uh, one nothing in that game, and what happened was, which has been a problem for Edmonton, is that within, what, a buck 49, minute 49 seconds, uh, Golden Knights tied that game up right away. They just came in and dictated, and boom. They tied it up. They went into the second period, tied at one, and then from a physicality standpoint, they really started to jack the ice up, uh, putting the uh, Vegas end up in the air and putting the puck down in the uh, the Edmonton end like we like to use Vernacular in the sport, and they didn't let up. Uh, and they were like a machine. They just kept taking the puck away in uh, the neutral zone. They were standing up Edmonton at the blue line, frustrating them, making them dump the puck in or take long area shots, and then right away with the puck, get it deep, and then dominate the puck. What we call inside the box, which would be where the hash marks are in the circles. Yep. And then uh, in the corner of the half wall like I said, but really were they impressive behind the net, out to where the hash marks are. It seemed like the Golden Knights had two of their forwards there the entire second and third period and, and just frustrated Edmonton, whose defense, if there's anything suspect with Edmonton, I think their defense is inconsistent at best. Uh, the netminder's young, okay? So, you know, I mean, that also plays a part. You can get rattled. Their top guy is out. Uh, You know, and has been out, in, in, out. So, I mean, it's, you know, these kinds of things happen. The deeper you get into the playoffs, when things happen like this, little things amount to larger things. Not like the regular season where you can mask from night to night. You can mask certain things based on the schedule, based on, you know, who you're playing, what their last 10 days have been like. If they played six games, are they tired as well in the playoffs? You're equal, each team. So when little things happen, they become big things.
2: Seems to me that Edmonton is one of those teams where if they're hot, they're really hot. And if they're cold, they're ice
1: cold.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I keep saying the Golden Knights are, uh, you know, are are the non-young team. I shouldn't say that. They're young as well. They also basically have fielded an American Hockey League roster with all the injuries they've had. Um, Edmonton plays off a of field. Speed teams do that. They have three main, main parts of that that team on offense. We know who two of them are in uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're both different type players and they're phenomenal talent. And then by committee, Whoever that third person is, usually the kid that I coached when he was 13, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, has been that guy. But, you know, they've been able to. Vegas really, uh, you know, minimize uh, his involvement into this. So has it been Hyman who, as he stepped up, uh, you know, for them and, and, and filled that gap a little bit, but not more the way they want to. So as those two guys go, The guys are going to step up and be the third element, the fourth element, the fifth element. They're not there. Meanwhile, Vegas has seen everybody except for Riley Smith step up. And Riley Smith is working his rear end off right now. He's getting opportunities like crazy. And listen, that can be a difference. I mean, if more people are into it, scoring, producing, setting up goals uh, on your offense and the other team's offense is limited to a couple, that can create real problems, and for Edmonton right now, they're down two games to one. Tonight will be a big test for that. Are they going to be a streaky team, or are they going to be able to play like uh, tonight in the Florida-Toronto series? Toronto is down three games zip, and tonight they played a shutdown game virtually the whole game, and uh, we'll see. I mean, is Edmonton going to be crazy tonight and put up five or six? We'll see. Are they going to play a shutdown tight, you know, 1-1, 2-1, one type of game? We'll see. Remains to be seen.
2: Okay, and obviously, if it gets to be three to one here, we're we're saying this thing's probably over, right? Because they'd have to win. Edmonton would have to come back here and win a game or two. Is it two or one?
3: It happens. It, look, look, you have to win four to win the series, right? And. Yeah, this series, like the old days, we would go 2-3-2 in the NHL playoffs. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not that way because that works to the advantage of whoever has the lead. Now it's uh, 2-2-1-1-1.
2: Yeah, they did that in baseball, uh, too, which I I don't really like it. I like the old way better.
3: Yeah, the 2-3-2. You're more of a traditionalist. Uh, You know, I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of 3-1 comebacks in series. I mean, Florida was down 3-1 to Boston who had lost, what, eight games this year? Yeah. And they beat them twice in Boston, um, you know, and then one again in Florida when they were down by two goals uh, twice in the game to get at the game seven and one there. So younger teams, you know, play a lot on uh, momentum swings because they've got the legs. Uh, and I, this Vegas team with Bruce Cassidy, it's a lot different. I mean, they're much more disciplined. Uh, they seem like they play a, a bit more, and I, I don't want to say that because it's not simplification, but they have. They've simplified, and they play to their strength. So it's, it's really a fascinating matchup. It really is. It's hard to say, well, wow, that 3-1, it'll be over. I mean, for both teams, because Edmonton has such high-end talent at the front. But I, I really think in the end, it's net-minding and defensive play. And right now, the Golden Knights have the advantage there, and they certainly... Boy, I mean, it was a, it was a butt kicking the other night. I mean, for two periods, they just shut, strangled down this Edmonton offense. And you could see the frustration on these players. But you know, guess what? You got to play more games and you can't let it take you down. You got to get refocused for the next 60 minutes and see if you can get the thing square.
2: Yeah. I kept, I kept checking the score and then I thought maybe my phone's broke, you know, cause it was just like, yeah. it sat there for a while <laughs> with the score being the same. So yeah. Uh, good job for Vegas, and like I said, I think three-one. You come home, that should be turn out the lights. The party's over. You know that's the whole idea of playing on home ice. You should have an advantage. Edmonton should have an advantage tonight, but I think they have the pressure on them, yeah. and, and you know Vegas uh less pressure. And there's still no score in that game, so we'll keep you up to date there. Hey, talk about three to one. The we're going to switch sports here. The Golden State Warriors are down three to one. Are they? Do they have a way to win this thing?
3: I, I, don't, you know, I don't get this series at all. Um, you know, I think the Kings, uh, Sacramento Kings had they gotten by the Warriors. I think they could have swept the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers did not match up virtually all season, uh, to the Kings. And I, I mean, you know, it, it's sad to see with the Warriors, but you know, Curry's what now? 35. Uh, you know, I mean, they've won a lot. They've been in what? five or six finals with him, I mean, it's been, you know, it's been what franchises dream of and they've had that run and, uh, you know, no matter what they do, they just don't seem like they can get past uh, the Lakers and get those breaks, you know, where the ball is going to bounce their way. What was it the other night? You know, the Bay area media is so, ridiculous, okay? I mean, all you have to do is work for a pro sports team to understand that it's. Um, if you're a uh, 49er you can do no wrong in the Bay Area media. They're worship like the second coming of the Pope coming back after he died <laughs> and floating above the crowd. The Giants are the next ones, and if anything goes wrong, it's usually the Dodgers' fault or it's the fault of the owner uh, and the lawyers. now, you know, it's all Jordan Poole's fault or it's, uh, you know, it's somebody else's fault, or so you can't really, if you're looking to the media to give you any kind of hint, uh, you can't get that. I mean, I, the fact is they've won a lot and they're old. Okay. I mean, and in sports, well, and you say, well, gee, a guy's are 31, 32, they're not old. Yeah, they are old.
2: Chris, not only are they older, let's call them mature. Uh, and gray, you can see the gray in the beards now that wasn't there. That's kind of weird. You see Draymond Green with the gray beard, and you're like, what the heck? But I, the other thing is they're small, and the Lakers are not. So when you've got Steph Curry defending LeBron James, that's the, that's a mismatch if there ever was one.
3: Yeah, or you got to be able to hit three-pointers, like they used to do in record numbers and just fire away. Yeah, and from the last game, you know, they said Poole shot the game away, and so forth. And I'm in basketball. I mean, if one guy shoots the game away, then that's a that's a a directive of the coaching. Uh, And I think Steve Kerr has proven that he's a great coach, one of the great coaches of all time. Uh, So it's not really that we know that.
2: Well, when I was a kid, it was a direct correlation from the guy who shoots all the time to the rich dad who paid for everybody's uniforms
3: yeah right right or in the warriors case it was uh rick Barry, yeah who you know didn't care if anybody liked him and muley who loved him and brought him back from the aba and shoot. away? i mean uh they had a great coach yeah yeah, yeah. hey speaking so, of
2: rick berry uh, this is a crazy question chris but it, is anybody ever going to bring back the granny style free throw because that's what i used to love watching rick berry shoot those free throws
3: it doesn't make a lot of sense does it that they don't i mean it it seems to me to be, a, you know, obviously a lost start, But, I mean, he had it down. I mean, the shooting uh, is amazing, isn't it, in, yeah. the, in the National Basketball Association? It I mean, is. there's so many guys that can do this. That, And it's even amazing with the Lakers. Look at uh, uh, LeBron. I mean, people get on him and, you know, they don't like him because he's popular or whatever. The guy is one of the greatest athletes ever. And, I mean, look at the high level he plays at at that age. And same with Steph Curry. It's almost uh, not believable how these guys can play like that. That is a brutal game, the NBA is. And Very like physical, yeah. I mean, your body, Yes, and the travel is atrocious, okay? I mean, it's just brutal what they go through. So it it we're really seeing an amazing thing here. I was frankly shocked that the Warriors got by the Kings after they got down like they did. And, you know, I mean, they could play at that kind of pace. It's got to take something out of their... Uh, out of their repertoire when they get into another physical series, and it's uh, you know it's the real rivalry now, LA and uh, uh, and the Bay Area.
2: Yeah, you know the thing though is I I do think that they 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 had to work so hard to get past Sacramento that they they are dinged up a little bit. They've got to be worn out a little bit. That was a long, hard-fought series. So when you are small and you're being outplayed physically, that's usually not a good thing. But having said that. This team has more than once come back from three three to one down, and they've shown that they can do that. So, you know, granted, they're older yeah, now, you know, did. so I don't know. Yes, Yeah, it's
3: yeah. Hard to do it. And, you know, soon you'll have a team there. Um, I deal with a number of – there's a number of groups. I don't think OVG. they announced they were going to put up at the other end of the strip, you know, another $2 billion entertainment district with an NBA arena. I think it's probably going to be another group that does. But I think Vegas – Shortly, we'll have an NBA commitment as well. I think Seattle and Vegas, I don't know how they're going to do it with the conferences, but I I think it's a foregone conclusion that Seattle, which was a disgrace among all disgraces, that the Sonics were ever allowed to leave. Talk about a legend franchise. Beautiful name, beautiful colors. They were the heart of the city, and they got an greedy owner who took all the money out wally walker and of course the starbucks guy decided uh you know 453 million percent profit wasn't enough for him uh, while he pleads poverty and they let the sonics go so i think you'll see seattle and vegas announced shortly um back into the nba and vegas will be uh, it'll be interesting to see this because that'll have to be competitive right away like the golden knights were yeah immediately.
2: Th- these are expansion teams though right Yeah, I I don't
3: think you're going to see, I mean, we tried to, just so you know, me and another partner who uh, had signed to purchase the Arizona Coyotes had signed uh, Pelicans uh, back in the day, but uh, the owner of Nollins at that time uh, signed four agreements to sell, and we were going to move the Pelicans to San Jose to share the building with the Sharks.
4: Wow. And
3: um, move over to the NBA, and unfortunately, uh, uh, the Benson family stepped in and realized that uh, the NBA needed to be uh, in New Orleans. There's a historical reason why. Uh, I think a lot, all of us agreed on that. Uh, luckily, that owner was run out of the league. I don't have to name his name, but if you're an NBA fan or basketball fan, you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, I'm not quite sure if they'll ever be successful there from the gate, but. Um, The TV money is so massive, what, 185 million per team just in uh, 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 national revenue. And then up until the collapse of all the uh, regional sports networks, you know, teams were getting, you know, 85, 90, 100 million from regional sports. So, I mean, you could run your team and have 7,000 people a game at your home games. Now, that's going to probably change with cord cutting and the RSNs collapsing. But, uh, nevertheless, Nolan still has the NBA team but yeah. it's, uh, it it's an interesting business I'll tell you what if you got in at the time that lacope did in uh and uh uh goober um they did the right thing man at four hundred million or whatever it was they paid you know it's billions now what did they say the Warriors are six billion I think with the arena
2: yeah and you know what they did it the right way they bought the team I mean I'm not happy they moved them out of Oakland but they they bought the team and they invested in the team and they uh, immediately saw results. They got, uh, they have a winning team very soon.
3: Yep. Legacy. That's the yeah. legacy team. I remember going to the games when they played at the Civic. I was a kid. My dad had season tickets for my brother and I would go up and see, geez, Will Chamberlain and Nate Thurman right there in the old Civic, man. You sat right there on the court. So you just, you heard everything. Guys talking smack and punching guys in the, in the old NBA, man. Guys were vicious. Okay. Guys would just beat guys up. And, you know, the referees were fighting with the announcers. I mean, it was unbelievable.
2: <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, owners who really maybe don't know what they're doing, what's the latest with John Fisher and his uh, decision three weeks after announcing a, uh, well, I guess it was supposed to be a a binding agreement. Well, it was only bound for three weeks. Now we have a new location in yeah. Vegas. What do you think about all that?
3: Well, I mean, Tropicana, you know, it's a public company, so they've got the money. And they're going to build the 1.5 billion stadium with him, whatever his contribution is. You know, what did he say? He's going to give a billion dollars. He said he would come up with. Obviously, he doesn't. He's not going to give his family fortune. He'll get that money from banks. But the land's critical. It's got infrastructure there. It's right on the strip. So I can't imagine the Golden Knights are very happy about it, or the Raiders having another stadium there. You know, the strip, the Las Vegas Boulevard, is already a disaster. So they can't be happy there. Uh, I don't know who's going to go to the games. I guess out of town, they see the Raiders, you know, what the Raiders struggling. And this year, with the schedule that was released, I can't imagine the Raiders are are going to win more than four games this year. They do all be pleasantly surprised. So I don't know, you know, they're going to see 80% of the crowd as fans from other cities. But that's different. That's eight games or nine games played once on a weekend. Right. So, I mean, I don't know who's going to come in and see them and who can afford it. You've got a $1.5 billion. Baseball stadium. What are the tickets going to be? What you're going to pay 150 dollars to watch this A's team? Okay, I, you know, yeah, see that's uh, so I've
2: industry. got I've got some issues. One is John Fisher has shown his stripes, which is he runs the team into the ground in terms of the what's on the field. Anybody that does develop and get good, they get rid of so they can keep their their payroll down. He has zero overhead on the field. He gets welfare from Major League Baseball every single year uh, in the revenue sharing department, which is the real reason why they're saying they have to have a, an answer right away and they've got to get the legislature uh, in Nevada to agree to give them money, which they said now went from $500 million to $395 million, but it's really $500 million to $400 million. The 395 doesn't fool anybody. So it's a hundred million dollars less, but it's also instead of 49 acres or whatever we were going to start with and then 29 acres and then back to 45 acres. It's nine acres is all they're getting at Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard.
3: Nine. Right. But he'll have a, ho- they'll have a hotel next to it. And what they'll do, what I was told from within the industry pretty high up today, somebody major, major told me they said, look at the. They, he's got a commitment that um, they'll they'll sell 60% of their tickets will be casino-bought tickets that will be given to players, meaning players, gamblers, yeah. uh, in the casinos, the multiple casinos, and if they have to give them away, they will, and they'll count that as bought tickets. So, you know, they're hoping that the year-round... Fans that their kids play baseball will fill up the rest. I mean, they're not going to get TV money. Vegas is not a good TV market; it never has been. um It's uh, for the NFL, it is, and for the NBA because the NFL gets two hundred and something million per team, and the NBA, like we said, gets one hundred and eighty something million. So, you know, for that, it's great. Golf, it's great because you know TV money in golf is in the billions, but. For baseball, baseball is about butts in the seat and regional sports network TV money and network TV money. Well, guess what? The A's are only going to have network TV money, and they better have people in the stands or they're going to end up as the Florida Marlins or the Miami Marlins of Nevada.
2: Yeah, this reminds me of Loria when he owned the the Marlins. Same kind of thing. Just put garbage on the field, and if you get lucky and you happen to, you know, strike gold and you get somebody like a Matt Olson or a Matt Chapman or a Sean Murphy, you develop them just to the point where everybody wants them, and then you trade them away. Well, guess what? All three of those guys who were part of their core just a couple of years ago are kicking butt where they are now. And it just, it saddens me because they should be playing for the A's and the A's should be winning and that stadium should be full and they should stay in Oakland. But that's all probably not going to happen. And now the latest is they're not buying any land. They're actually going to uh, enter into a 25 year lease where they're leasing the property. And instead, the Bally's Corporation is going to build that hotel. So where's the shopping center you needed? Where's the water you said you had to have? Where's the egress and the parking and the lack of traffic problems and all the things they said they had to have? None of that matters now because Mr. Fisher is desperate. That's why. If you look at the Gap stock, the Gap stock, Chris, is a third of what it was two years ago.
3: Yeah, and this is this is uh, what we would call in the industry... This is a relocation sale, so he'll end up selling it. I, I'm not sure what Major League Baseball's thoughts are on after the Fox deb- debacle on uh, L.A. A good friend of mine uh, was the GM there, uh, and he actually liked them. But um, if Bally's could come in and buy the A's, but somebody's going to buy the A's, okay? He's going to leave town. I mean, the, the earthquakes in San Jose are valued at $600 million in a league that averages 6,000 paid people per game, mm. MLS. And I'm a big soccer guy, but MLS um, is nothing but a, a buy a franchise and watch your valuation go up, and he's played the game better than anybody. In San Jose, they never win. Uh, he does not uh, bring in any superstar players in a market that is like Vegas that demands winners or nobody goes to the games.
2: Right. How and is their attendance? The Do, with- Do the earthquakes get uh, big crowds or no?
3: Uh, it, I mean, yeah, when they play L.A., they do a lot of giveaways for free and play at Stanford because they do it as a charitable thing. That's admirable, okay? But no, of course they don't. My guys, when we promote La Liga and promote international at San at San Jose, at Earthquake Stadium or whatever they call it, at VIA or VIA or what, it's changed names or what is it, PayPal's park now, okay? Yeah, we sell it out. 25,000 tickets, $300 a ticket. Two hundred and three hundred sold out. The earthquakes, not even close. They may report fifteen thousand. They have papered half the house, guaranteed, because they want the revenue for merch and the revenue for food and drink and parking. Wow. So it's not where he's building is on his volume of interest he's gained. Okay, he pays what thirty million for the franchise to MLS, and now they're getting three hundred and fifty million for franchise. That that's where his value is. His franchise is worth over $600 now because it's in San Jose. But you'll have to get rid of that as well.
2: Well, what do you think about Rob Manfred saying, uh, oh, don't worry about the relocation fee that we would normally say we would always charge a team if they want to move. Uh, We're going to waive the relocation fee, so you don't have to worry about that. Of
3: course they are. Of course they're going to because no one is going to pay $2 billion to put an MLB team in Las Vegas. Las Vegas only pays winners. And that's after winners have invested in their product, which are slot machines, nice hotels, uh great food. The Wayne
2: Coy Show, don't forget that.
3: And Wayne Coy Show. Yes, Yes. that's it. Soon to be heard all over the world. (laughs) (laughs) So oh, but I mean that's how Vegas works. They're not gonna give MLB owners two billion and Vegas can say, Look at you're in Vegas, okay? You you wanna come, you pay to play here. So, I mean, and look, at Major League Baseball is not stupid. Vegas is a great market for for Major League Baseball. All-star games, like the NFL All-Pro game, can be there all the time. It's, you know, it's highlight real time, okay? I mean, that's the place you want to be, is Vegas. It's the destination globally. So no one's going to give them that kind of money, not at all. So, I mean, look how it's worked. That's why the NBA wants to be there. The NHL does their award ceremonies there, and Vegas treats them A+. plus. Vegas is where you want to be. It's a city of glitz, it's a city of chance, and it's always reinventing itself. That's where you want to be. So MLB, it's a tired league. A lot of old white men own teams, and they're sitting there, and a lot of old, old people watch the game, and they're having to reinvent themselves. And you know what? They could do a lot worse than going to Vegas right now and doing something where people go, wow, I like baseball again. Because you're not going to get it with the Yankees and their 117-year-old announcers. You're not going to get it, you know, with the Angels and their their owner that, you know, is in a city where the city council robs all the taxpayers. I mean, I could go through or Boston where they think nobody exists outside of Boston and, and that awful Fenway Park that should have been imploded 300 years ago. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, seriously. Yeah. I mean, that's why Miami is sexy, okay? They thought it would work. It's sexy. Who it doesn't want to be in Miami. Everybody wants to be in Miami or Vegas. Yeah. These are the places to be, okay? So, you know, on, in on, all fairness?
2: to that end, though, don't you think that it would be better for Las Vegas to get an expansion team? Just hold on. Don't play John Fisher's games. He's not going to change. He's going to be the same dude while he's here before he pumps and dumps so you got maybe two three years worth of dealing with him before he sells so why not wait and get your own team like the golden knights
3: because that's where vegas comes into play okay if you're hot and vegas is hot they've made the right moves they brought the raiders in that was brilliant because now all the nfl wants to come and watch mainly because our team loses all the time in the last two minutes but they want to be there it's a first-class stadium they love it it's fun everybody wants to be there they've been hot they brought the golden knights bill came in put together a plus franchise they win they have the best pregame show in all of professional sports okay they you know unlv is invested in it i mean everybody wants to be there so yes expansion would be great there and let me tell you i could put together a group in 30 to 45 days to not only buy the a's if they force fisher out but get a stadium deal done in Oakland, that would work for everybody. This is nothing more than one. The Coliseum is archaic, and it should have been demolished as well. It it doesn't fit its purpose, but this is ridiculous. They could have rebuilt on that land. The Raiders were desperate to rebuild on that land, and Fisher was the reason it didn't get done. You don't think Mark Davis regrets that? Every day he regrets it when forty percent of his season ticket renewals are coming from the Bay Area. Yeah, so he knows.
2: He knows. And yeah, and, and, he, and he he even said he, my hands out. He even said that it bothered him that you know the attendance at the Raider games is now like 70 percent the other teams' fans, and oh, he you know he's going to be that way. Yeah, he's irritated by that. But they made money. I mean, you know that place is packed, so the end of the day i guess that's really what it's all about well you know what we stayed on the air long enough to let edmonton go ahead three to nothing so that's the Uh-oh, score that in the in the first period okay
3: well that game's over yeah that game's over so you better start talking
2: about something else well we're gonna have so you I we're bet. gonna have you on and and <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna preview this uh game five and it looks like it okay. might it might be knotted up two two so if you've got time for us we'd love to have you back on
3: I'll. I'll- I'll be happy to and then run off the rails and, like I usually do, go crazy and have people call and go, that guy's insane. So, yeah, yeah, I can fit that role very well. That's
2: the whole reason we have you on, Chris. I I love it. I love that (laughs) you're you're so shy, we have to, like, keep pulling on you to to have an opinion. And, you know, it's really tough. I've got
3: more baseball stories. I've I've got a lot of baseball. I worked one year in pro baseball for the Mariners so I could tell you all kinds of stories great old school stories oh
2: so, we yeah, want those let's, let's do a whole yeah, let's go, do a whole show about baseball but we got to get through hockey first and you have to live up to right. your, your moniker you are indeed Mr. Hockey so uh, thank you yes. for the time sir as always it's appreciated thanks brother there Look he goes to to you in a couple of days yes uh, me too and it, it only took three tries but we got him on and it was worth every single thanks, second yeah.
1: What are you talking about, Vegas? Vegas, baby, Vegas. The Wayne Coy Show. In times
0: of economic uncertainty and chaos, your money means nothing. You may not even be able to get it from your bank or ATM. And the money you do have in the stock market will go down and down. gold and silver. Call now for your free gold
1: guide. 800-557-7921. 800-557-7921. 800-557-7921. That's 800-557-7921. Hey, it's Wayne. You know,
2: when it comes to real estate in Nevada, any market is your market. We talked about that last night with Kirby and uh, all the folks over at Schofield Realty know it's true. And you need to know it's true. Schofield Realty's got the team and the tools to make any market work. So it really doesn't matter what market you're in, buyer's market, seller's market. It doesn't matter. It's wherever you are and you make that work. Henderson, North Las Vegas, Mount Charleston, Summerlin, Lake Las Vegas, Boulder City, Anthem, the Arts District, downtown. It doesn't matter. Schofield Realty's got you covered with first-class service, transparency, and the most important part of all, you can't buy this. It's just either there or it isn't all this talk about John Fisher. Well, don't worry about that. With Schofield Realty, integrity is always a priority. Are you a great real estate agent? Or maybe would you like to become one? Where well, they're building their team right now. It's an award-winning team, and they want you to be a part of it, a culture like no other, and believe me, there there's a difference there. So you can have fun. You can make real money doing what you love with the benefit of a proven system with an organization that does believe in training and then empowering you to be the absolute best that you can be. So whether you're buying, you're selling, or you're interested in joining the team, discover the Schofield Realty difference. Reach out right now at kirby4u.com. That's kirby, K-I-R-B-Y, the number four, and the letter u.com, or call 702-766-9538. I know you hear a lot of phone numbers, so I'll slow down. 702-766-9538. 702-766-9538. If you're buying, if you're selling, it doesn't matter. What does matter is you get that Schofield difference with Schofield Realty.
5: Hey, old town, I know we are hurting tonight. Feel like we lost a member of the family. The man feeling maybe the most pain is my boy Wayne Coy. Him and his beautiful bride, Nancy.
4: For
5: you. I know you do. In this one, yeah, it's for you.
2: Ah, see better days. You better
5: days. Oh,
2: opening You made that rhyme.
5: Had to move out. Had to get up. There they go.
2: <laughs> uh, okay, that was well done, I got to tell you. The uh, the Oakland A's Blues, they, they are singing them in Oakland, and they're singing them here. And a lot of people have approached me just recently, in fact, this evening here at the station, and have asked me why I, I'm so hell-bent on saying this team ought to stay where they are and where they've been for 55 years. I mean, come on, bro. You live in Vegas now. And you heard Chris just now talking about how sexy it is in Las Vegas. None of that is wrong. Not a bit of that is wrong. But it's all about community and it's about roots. And that, that's a generational thing. So I want you to know because I'm a part of this. I'm a part of a three-generation thing. It's me, it's my kids, and now it's their kids. And that's kind of how that rolls. All of us, Green and Gold, all of us Oakland A's fans, and the idea of our team going anywhere other than home is just really incomprehensible. And and then when you think about the way that's going with the owners and the switching of the sites and all of this stuff that's been going on for just too long now, it'll get to you, if you know what I mean. And nobody has said it better on a national basis than my man DA in New York with CBS Sports, and we're going to let you know what he had to say, This is, I think, the best take yet.
0: There's been a new twist, a plot twist, as the A's have reportedly decided on the site of the Tropicana Hotel in Las Vegas for their new deal. The casino operator Bally's Corporation, who owns the the piece of land, the parcel of land, and the casino, the Tropicana, has an agreement with the A's reportedly to build a $1.5 billion stadium with a retractable roof for 35,000 seats. Everything sounds fine there. And that this will drop the public cost from $500 million to $395 million. Okay, so a little bit more palatable to the Vegas resident that has to pay taxes to build a ballpark. And it's it's a site that might have less interference than the previous one. Okay. But here's the issue. Las Vegas, I know that you're all gaga over the nights, and you should be. That's been a wonderful sports success story. And the stadium you built, Mark Davis and the Raiders, Allegiant is gorgeous. And obviously, you got pro sports there. Vegas did what it always wanted to do. And finally, the time has been right, and they took advantage of it as gambling's been legalized, sports gambling. So Vegas hit it, and you guys did a great job. Knights games are fantastic. The fan base loves them. The Raiders stadium is gorgeous. Boom, you nailed it. But you should smell a rat here. You should smell a rat. And Las Vegas, I'm telling you this right now, even though they dropped your public money from 500 to 395 you should not have an appetite to give John Fisher a damn nickel a damn nickel because this guy has cheated lied and stolen to even get to this point there is no focused plan from the A's none they spent 100 million dollars trying to figure out a ballpark development plan at Howard Terminal in Oakland and then suddenly, when they were supposed to have a negotiation a week with the city, they happenstance. Oh no, no, no! We got a deal done in 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 Vegas now. A couple of weeks after that, we've got a deal in Vegas. We have got the land a binding agree binding agreement for the land in Vegas. Yesterday they pivoted. Oh no, we got another different plan. Now it's on the side of the Tropicana. If this feels erratic and unfocused it is. John Fisher inherited billions of dollars. Didn't make it himself inherited because mommy and daddy created the Gap franchise and gave him the Gap. He's never worked a day in his life, and the things that they've entrusted him to do, he has screwed up. So let's dial it back to Oakland. In Oakland, the whole bit of moving out of, of the Coliseum was We need a large parcel of land to have an entertainment complex around. We want bars. We want restaurants. We want shopping, which is great. If you've ever been to Atlanta to see the Battery, the new Truist Park where the Braves play, it's beautiful. It's great. Makes a lot of money for, for the Braves. Fine. Well, they wanted space to do so, right? Okay. They want space. That makes sense. The current Coliseum is on a 120-acre lot. But the A's felt, that's not big enough. We need space. Well, then they went to Howard Terminal, and that was 55 acres. Okay, you know what? 55 acres will make this work. But again, entertainment complex, restaurants, bars, because we have to have that around to make money. We have to have that to make the cash. Then they went to Vegas, and they got another 50-acre lot, the Red Rocks lot, which was the first one, binding agreement. And now they've pivoted to a nine-acre lot. Nine. For the New Deal. So what happened to all of the entertainment complex visions? What happened to all that revenue that they supposedly needed? That was the whole bit. That's why they were moving out of Oakland. They couldn't get that done. It's erratic. It's unfocused. It's desperate. Just three weeks ago, the A's had the binding agreement and now they've broken that to go towards Tropicana. I'm telling you this right now, Vegas. You want an expansion team. And I don't blame you. Baseball has a good product now with the new rules. You've done great with the expansion nights. You feel like you can support it. That's great. I I support you. If baseball wants to expand, God bless. Vegas would be a great possibility. Don't fall for this trick. John Fisher doesn't have anywhere to turn, so he's just throwing darts. And he's going to make you pay for a ballpark. And he's going to run the program, the franchise, the organization the same way he's doing it in Oakland. You think you're getting a functional baseball franchise? You're not. You're not. You will be paying for a owner to be a dysfunctional leader. You're going to pay him out of your own pocket for him to do things like this. I saw this story yesterday. I say this is just par for the A's course, par for the John Fisher course. Forget moving the A's out of Oakland. And sending them to Las Vegas. Give Vegas one of the expansion teams and make John Fisher sell. That's the solution, baseball. That's the only solution. Make him sell. They've got owners like Lakeup in the Bay Area, who's clearly made the Warriors a destination franchise. Let him take over the A's, buy the A's at a pretty penny. That way, everybody wins. John Fisher gets his cash. Make them sell to Lake Up. Let Lake Up then spend private money to get that ballpark built in Oakland and then let Vegas have the expansion team. Cause this is a joke. This is a joke. First, it was exclusive negotiations in Oakland. Oh, no, wait a second. We're in Vegas. Binding agreement in Vegas. Oh, no, we're changing sites. Well, we want a lot of land. No, we only want a little bit of land. You don't want to do business with this guy. This guy is no good for anybody baseball make him sell all right like i
2: said hot take with a capital h that's da i love his show you can check him out uh, CBS Sports Radio in New York streaming everywhere. They're on early in the morning, you know, they're on, uh, so we're here in the West Coast. They're East Coast time, 6 to 10 a.m., but the best of the show runs after that. And of course, watchda.com. That is his website. Damon does a fabulous job. I can't argue with a bit of what he said. In fact, It's almost like hearing myself talk because it's pretty much, well, you heard while I was talking to Chris a little earlier in the hour. It's really how I feel. And he echoed most of those sentiments. So I want to see Vegas get baseball. I just think it should be an expansion team. Let the A's stay where they are and where they have been for over 50 years. It's just the right thing to do. And Rob Manford, you need to wake up and smell the whatever it is it's cooking because it is cooking. The fans are starting to get really upset. And I think as the commissioner in baseball, you can make it happen. You can force that sale. That's what I would love to see. Okay. I could be dreaming. We'll find out. <laughs> of course, I'll be at the games no matter what. Of course I will be. All right. We take a break. We get some news in. And when we come back, you've seen her on the voice and you're going to see a lot more of her coming up in the months to come. She's in Nashville. Now, Megan, wilder a conversation that we had with her a little earlier today we're gonna play that back for you on the way
1: live from las vegas
0: this is the wayne coy show
2: yeah are you a fan of the voice have you been watching that for all the years and it's been on for years have you been watching that i was kind of an american idol guy so i sort of pushed back on the voice at the beginning but then i'll admit i got sucked into it and some great talent has uh, graced stage of that uh, of that show, and then gone on to some really really cool things. And the uh, guest that we're going to be hearing from in the next half hour or so is one of those people. In fact, let's take you back to her appearance on that TV show and when she kind of knocked everybody right down in the dirt with her version of Ode to Billy Joe. This is Megan Rose Wilder.
5: June, another sleepy, dusty day today. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I was out chopping cotton, and my brother was bailing hay. That's good. That's good. And at dinner time, we stopped and walked back to the house. Oh, don't look at Adam. Let's go. And Mama hollered at the back door. Y'all remember? Walk well, your feet. The yeah. Get him
1: into it. Gotta be personal.
5: She said, I got some news this morning from Choctaw Ridge. Yeah. Today, Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the town and she breathed That nice young preacher, Brother Taylor.
2: absolutely rocks well i mean i guess vegas is okay but it ain't nashville hi megan hello how are you i'm doing great we got a lot of catching up to do the last time i saw you you were just uh coming off the voice yeah and uh you killed it on the voice was blake i think who chose you right
6: uh started with miley and then miley Blake stole me yeah
2: in the battle thief thief (laughs) i know right well tell us about um you know, go all the way back, I guess, to the beginning when you started singing and then how that led to you getting on The Voice and then eventually what got you to Nashville?
6: Yeah. So, um, how all the way to the beginning. So, I mean, I've been singing for, I, I guess it kind of sounds cliche, but like for as long as I can remember. Um, and it was always something that I knew I wanted to do. Um, ever since I found out that it was possible that I could make music a career, I was like, that's what I want to do. Uh-huh. Um, so my parents put me in choir. Um, I did like musical theater stuff, um, voice lessons, um, all the things. They were always very supportive. Um, and then then I found out that I loved country music. And I was like, cool, so
2: that's kind of the the genre how did you find out that you loved country? Cause I know you're from the Bay area. It's not exactly a, a bastion for country music. Yeah, not at all.
6: Um, I think there were like, there was maybe one or two, um, country music, like radio stations, um, yeah. when I was growing up and my dad would. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think probably. Um, and so my dad would put that on like when we were driving and, um, especially when I was really young, my dad was kind of the one that would drive us everywhere. And so he was like the DJ in the car and he would put, um, that radio station on, or like he would play just like CDs. I remember he had, um, one CD and I forget what radio station it was, but it was just like all of like the top hits at the time that were being played on the radio. And so there was like a bunch of country on there. Um, and then I discovered Taylor Swift, um and became
2: like obsessed with
6: her and you a
2: swifty right from the get-go yes
6: yes and i feel like i'm less of a swifty now it's funny she was just in nashville all weekend she sold out all three nights at nissan right.
2: wasn't there um, some kind there was a, like a tech issue or something right a problem like people had was, to wait outside or something there was a uh
6: delay there was a huge thunderstorm on sunday night that's what and so there was like a four hour delay. Um, so she didn't go on her sets like three and a half hours. Um, and so she didn't go on until I think 11 and okay. played until like nearly 2am.
2: I bet nobody moved. They were like, no. yep, we're ready. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. like,
6: this is great. I think no. they, there was just a lot of lightning. So they made everybody go inside.
2: But That's a safe thing to do. Now, when you say yeah. though, that you're less of a Swifty now, what do you mean?
6: Um, I guess I, I mean, I still love all of her music. I'm just not as like, obsessed with her as I was Yeah. when I was in like middle school and
2: did she drop the restraining order now? Is it uh, all, everything's cleared up?
6: Yeah. Everything's good now. <laughs> I can get within a thousand feet.
2: That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, so you had this little taste of country. Thanks to, uh, to dad DJs, by the way, are very underrated. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you know, Savannah, my daughter, mm-hmm. and she uh, tells me many times, she goes, I will stop and go, why do I know this song? And then I go, cause my dad rammed it through my ears for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Every, right. Every road trip. Yeah. Yep.
6: And of course, like when we're younger, we're like, Oh, this song. And then we're all, we get older and we're like, that's actually a really good song. Yeah. I'm glad that I, glad yes. that I learned that one.
2: Oh, that young. works. Okay. So, yeah. so you had the taste, you got a little bit of the bug for country, but then you went kind of in a pop direction at first, right?
6: A little bit. Yeah. A lot of what I was singing, I guess in like competitions and stuff was pop music, yeah. like Alicia Keys and, um, who else? Like Kelly Clarkson, I think I would do. And, um, people like that. And then, and then Carrie Underwood won American Idol. She got really big. And so I started like listening to her music. And, um, when I started taking voice lessons, when I was in like, I think I was in like seventh grade. um, a lot of times I would have to bring in a song to work on and I would always bring in country songs, but I didn't really like think about it like that. It was just like, these are the songs that I like. Um, and my vocal coach at the time was like, Oh, like, so you're into country music. And I was like, I guess I I am. am. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and she was like, I mean, it suits your voice really well. And, um, you know, if you love it, like, is that the direction you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And it wasn't like a, I had to make that decision right then and there, but, Um, but I did and yeah, so that's kind of how I chose slash got into country music and, um, yeah, and stayed in voice lessons for a really long time and kept doing the competitions and, you know, performing as much as I could. Um,
2: when did you know that you were like good enough to do this for a living? Man. (sighs) Yesterday?
6: I don't know if I even if I've ever had that like kind of thought process, like I'm, I'm very lucky that I get to do this full time and that, um yeah. that this is like, this, that this is my career. Um, But I don't know that I've ever been like, Oh, I'm good enough to, to do this for a living. It's always just kind of been like, that would be so much fun and nothing else has ever sounded even like remotely like as fun. Because it isn't. I, no, well, and and that's the thing is, it's like I've tried, you know, to do other things for day jobs, and I'm just not. It just didn't didn't work. Wasn't and happy. even
2: And even if you had one, Megan, you would be thinking the entire time about your singing. I mean, you you could exactly. go through the motions maybe at a job. Yeah. And I've I've tried to explain that to people, Nancy, but um, if you're if you're creative, it's real hard to do anything but create, right? Yeah. Absolutely.
6: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I ever necessarily had that exact thought of like, Oh, maybe I'm good enough at this, that I could do this as a career, but it was more of just like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I've always kind of known that. And so that's just always been the plan. Mm-hmm.
2: So how do you find Nashville and don't say turn left on 95? How do you, <laughs> I mean, seriously, what do you think of the city? Cause it is like its own world. You're in a you're in a different yeah. place there. I know a couple people have made the move. One of them's still there. One of them said, I can't deal with this and I got to go. And they left. So yeah. what do you think? What do you think of the city so far? Music city.
6: I love it so much. Um, it's funny because before I moved here, I had been here one other time for like a few days just to check it out. But mm-hmm. I was just immediately like, yes, I love it here. This is the place. Um, I also moved here like eight, eight months before. The pandemic. Um, so I've always kind of said, like, if I could fall in love with a city during a pandemic, like imagine what it's gonna be like when it's back to normal and now it's back to normal. And I'm really happy and loving it. Um, there's just
2: that's a great analogy. That's like you you <laughs> like you're married, you know, or you're dating. Yeah. And you're like, like if I was able to put up with them through the time that we never spoke. And there was nothing to do, and we yeah. never left the house. Yeah. <laughs> then, wow, I guess things are okay, right? Yeah,
6: exactly. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I'm loving it. And, um, there's just so much opportunity, um, and no shortage of things to do. And I mean, if you're into live music and all of that, I mean, it's just, it's
2: heaven on earth it's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But, to that end is it so overexposed and so available that it's hard for somebody to break through because the competition is obviously severe and everybody's in the lifestyle. So Mm -hmm. it's like being an actor in Hollywood. It's hard.
6: Exactly. Yeah. It is really hard. Um, it's yeah. Like you said, there's, I mean, there's just so much talent everywhere. So it is really hard. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have been, you know, Given some opportunities to just play around town and play at certain places regularly. So I am able to do it full time. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's rough. Like <laughs> I just, I had to learn to, um, be annoying as far as like emailing people and following up. Yeah. Um, for a long time, I was really scared of like, okay, I'm going to send one follow up email. And if I don't hear back, and I'm done. That's it. They don't, yeah. they don't want it. But then as I kind of got further into it, I realized like, okay, there's one booking agent for this venue and so many of us, like more than likely they just didn't see my email. And so I just do it again, do it again. Hi. Just wanted to follow up. Right. Like love to complain. And eventually they do get back to you and there like have been times where they've been like, Hey, thanks so much. But like the answer is no. And that's fine.
2: <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Yeah.
6: yeah. And that's fine. But it's more of just like a like, hey, sorry I didn't see your email. Like we actually our roster's full. Like we don't need any more new artists or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's great. But yeah, sometimes it takes like four or five times following up.
2: And so so as far as the package goes, um you have management, you have agency, you have record label sometimes. Uh mm-hmm. are you doing all of those things? Do you have all of that? Are you out looking for that in Nashville or what? I have none of that. (laughs)
6: Mm. I'm completely, so
2: you're doing it all by yourself.
6: I'm doing it all myself. I'm completely 100% independent. Um, like literally everything, uh, press, like all of it is me. Um, I write my own press releases.
2: I pitch to everybody. Did you write that bio that you sent to me? I did. It's very good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, But but at some point you're, you know, you're going to have to be focused on creating and it's going to be mm-hmm. hard for you to do all of that. So how do you pick and choose correctly? Because it's a sea of sharks. You're in Nashville. There's a rip off yeah. artist around every corner and you got to mm-hmm. be super, super careful. So how do you navigate that? Do you have, do you have somebody who's already been through it that you lean on for advice?
6: Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, I do know a few people that I could absolutely go to for advice that are either um, have experience in the industry or also going through what you're you going know, through, what I eventually hopefully will be going through
2: yeah, <laughs> in the
6: future yeah. as far as maybe signing a record deal or publishing deal or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've met a lot of people out here that, that just know the business. Um, and then also just, like the number one piece of advice that I've gotten from people um that have either been through it or or work in the industry is like when that time comes, get a lawyer. Oh yeah. Like first thing. And even at
2: Yeah. It used to be used to be cowboy up, now it's lawyer up.
6: Now it's lawyer up.
2: And yep, that's smart, exactly. by the way. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Because you just don't know what you're getting into. I mean, I don't I have, I have no idea. If somebody were to just present me with some contract, I'd be like, I have no idea what any of this means. Right. Um so, but yes, to answer your question. Yes. I I'm very lucky that I've, I've got, um, some people that, that are, you know, kind of know more than mm-hmm. I do how that works. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: well, because you want to be able to focus at some point on, like I said, creation, mm-hmm. but you can't do that if the whole time you're worried about did the club call back? I don't know. Did I miss a message? I got to check my phone and see. Oh, I sent the guy two texts, but he hasn't gotten back to me. Wait a minute. I need a press release out by tomorrow. I mean, there's a reason why people yeah. do those things for a living, but mm-hmm. it's all, it's all um, you know, there's a cost to everything. Yeah. So that I I think the number one advice for whether you're an aspiring actor, broadcaster, actress, singer, musician, anytime somebody's asking you for money up front, run, don't walk. You know, because yeah. if you're if you're good, it works the other way around. You're going to make the money. They'll get a percentage or whatever you work out. Exactly. They're certainly not standing there right up front at the beginning, because usually those people will take a couple headshots and run yep. or, exactly. or record a demo and run. Now, you had some experience very early in your career uh with an with an independent studio. And I remember you had recorded some demos before you ever got on The Voice And you had, as I recall, you had a good relationship with that producer. So is that what you're looking for? Like somebody that you can vibe with in the studio or, or do you have that Um, based on what I just heard? I think you found it already.
6: Yes. Yeah. I'm slowly, but surely just kind of building, building my little team of people, um, which has been great. Um, yeah. And so the person that I've been working with, um, a lot lately, his name's Wilson Macbeth and, um, he's incredible. What's his real name? Wilson Macbeth.
2: Yeah, right. What's his real name?
6: Is it really <laughs> know, Wilson right? Macbeth? Yep, that's his wow. name. I know. Isn't that nuts? It's
2: um, a great
6: name. Yeah, it's great. Um, and he's the best. He's so talented and just very um like just he's so he's a producer that I've been working with and yeah. um we work very well together. He actually does a lot of pop. Um, and I think I'm like one of the only I might be wrong, but I think I'm one of the only country artists that he works with. Mm-hmm. Um, Just I approached him and was like, hey, I, you know, I heard this girl's song and I love what you do. And I'm, you know, country artist. But I think that I do. I mean, like I do pop country. So I was like, I think we could work well together. And um yeah, so he produced the last single Um he I just recorded. um, Just got done recording with him last week for the next one. Uh, working with him on the one after that in June and then got another one, uh, that we'll record, I think in August. Um, so these are your
2: babies. They're all lining up to be born. Yeah, I
6: know. It's, it's crazy. It's really,
2: how do you, how do you assess when it's time to move on to, you know, single number two or an EP or an album or how do you know all of that?
6: Um, right now, uh, I think for me and I think for a lot of independent artists, it's really just kind of like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, um, the beauty of being an independent artist is that I can do literally whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have nobody telling me what to release, what not to release. Oh, this isn't going to work well. And again, it's all, you know, labels do that with best interest. Um, with your best, best interest in mind, but, um, Right now I can kind of just really figure it out and, and just see like, okay, what do, what do I like? Um, and what do my fans like? And you know, what's, what's sticking. Um, but, uh, I guess right now singles are really, especially for an independent artist, the most cost effective
2: way. Cause you know, you know, pretty out. quick if it's, if it's resonating or it isn't, they'll either salute the flag or they won't, and then you can move on. Right.
6: Exactly. Yeah. And, um, And I think for me, I've only got three singles out right now. So, um, the plan, (laughs) the plan is to, uh, release, I'm doing three more this year. Um, and then we'll just kind of see what happens and, and go from there. But, um, I'll probably do maybe one or two more next year and then, then maybe an EP, um, and go from there. But I'm kind of just seeing where the next three, um, take me as well. And cause that's going to take me through the end of the end of the year. Um, almost, uh, late October and then November, December is like holiday
2: time. Yeah. So take some time for yourself. Sure. So yeah. you, when you have meetings with the label, you're having meetings with yourself. That's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you ever just get up and, and walk out of meetings with yourself? <laughs> I'm like,
6: I'm busy. I'm in a That's meeting. Right. I said that right. Uh,
2: have your people call my people. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. You are my people. Uh, <laughs> yes. So is Macbeth? That is his name, really? Yeah, Wilson Macbeth. Wilson Macbeth. Okay. Yeah. Is Will, is Wilson uh part of your creative process for all of this music you're talking about?
6: So um he is like he produces all of it. As far as the sound goes, yes. Um we will I'll send him a work tape. Um you know, before and we'll just kind of talk about it. And I, I like to, I do the same thing with my photographer, but I like to send them the work tape. And before I even say anything, just find out like, okay, what's the first thing that came to your mind? What do you don't lead
2: the witness? Yeah. Let them tell you.
6: Cause they, they're, I mean, I'm working with them for a reason. They are also Mm -hmm. creatives. And if we can just kind of take our ideas and Agree on something and, you know, they might think of something that I never even thought of, but like is the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah. and so I like to do that with Will. Um, and my photographer, her name's Lauren, Lauren Hayes. She's great. Um, and,
2: uh, are those the, uh, the recent, uh, pictures that we've seen like on, on your social media? Did she yeah. take those? She oh, did. very. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. yeah. She's fantastic.
6: Um, and, uh, but as far as the writing goes, um, so I wrote, Ain't that crazy with um, Cole Miracle, Stephen Diaz, and then Andrew Hannigan. Um, And um, I, the actually, the two out of the three that I'm releasing later this year, I wrote with Cole and Stephen as well.
2: So kind of Um, the same little group, yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so they're very, also obviously very involved in the creative process and some of my favorite people in Nashville to work with. And, um,
2: What's the writing process like? I mean, how does that work? Somebody write the music, somebody else writes the lyrics.
6: It really depends. Um, a lot of times like one of us will come in with, you know, a hook idea, a title, a concept, um, maybe a little bit of a chorus and, um, usually we all will kind of just pitch our ideas and then we're like, okay, yeah, we like that. We all like, we want to write that. Let's do that. Um, and, uh, Steven Diaz, he's great, great guitarist, um, great writer as well, but he's, um, he always comes up with like really cool, just like chord progressions and little riffs and, uh, fun things that we can kind of just add. Um, that's like ear candy and kind of like the bones of like the work tape that I like to, still try and like incorporate in the actual um final product.
2: So. Right. Yeah. Don't well, us. get to the chorus.
6: <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah,
2: right? Yeah. So so in, every song's different then. It de- it just depends on the tune. Do you have to all agree before you decide okay, we're going to get serious about this and record it properly? Or do um, you have the or do you have I mean, you are Megan after all. You get the final say?
6: Yeah, I um I mean, Cole and Steven, Steven does some of the, some of the artist stuff. Cole mostly is just a songwriter. So, um, but usually we'll just, we kind of like establish during the write, like, okay, you know, who, are, who are we writing this for? Um, and so if it's for me, I'll just text them and be like, Hey, like I texted them the other day and was just like, Hey, just, you know, in the studio recording the next single. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Um, So, yeah. So they don't necessarily know when you finished. They don't know if it's going to go any further than, hey, this was something we wrote together and we all like. So nobody's out there like on the front line going, this is for this project or this is for this artist. Because I'm guessing from what you just said, you're possibly writing for other artists besides yourself.
6: Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, and a lot of times too, like after we write something, if we're writing for me, I just know. Like if I'm going to cut it or not. And, um, and so if the answer is yes, I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm really excited. I want to release this. And so they know like, okay, yeah, we're probably, this is probably going to come out eventually. Um, so yeah, but then there are other times where, um, you know, I'll be in the room with, with other writers, other people, and we're writing for them or, um, or just to pitch, you know, if we, we like an idea and we yeah. want to write about it, but it doesn't necessarily resonate with any of the artists in the room, but we know some people that it might resonate with. We can, we'll, we'll finish Indo. it up and yeah. send it to them and see if they're interested.
2: Do you, uh, do you prioritize between the two? If you had to, if you had to choose, would you rather be a performer or a songwriter? Oh man, that's hard.
6: Oh, I had to choose. That's really hard.
2: Yeah. That's I think, why I asked it.
6: Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know if I could. Um, there's something so special about performing your songs that you wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, not that. You know, because there are plenty of artists too that will cut songs that were written by other people, and they're still just special.
2: Your city then, is full of songwriters, professional songwriters. Yeah. So obviously, there's artists out there looking for songs.
6: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And and sometimes it's like, you know, somebody will an artist will hear a song and be like, "Wow, that's you took the words right out of my mouth." And it's like mm-hmm. it's almost like they wrote it because they connect with it so much. So, but I do really love performing as well. I don't know. I feel like I would. That's so hard, uh, man
2: stumped her right there. Mark the point in the interview where at 23 minutes in Megan said, no moss. That's it. I can't choose. Okay. (laughs) Well, maybe maybe this is easier. If you had to choose between performing live Mm -hmm. and recording, which, which is the preference for you performing live. Really? Yeah. See, I lost that bet. I'm in Vegas. I bet on that, and I lost. So, <laughs> no, I, I would have thought, based on everything you just told me, that the recording process and the writing process was what was really ringing your bell. But you like that immediate response you get from a live audience, I guess, yeah?
6: Yeah, well, I think that there's just there's just something really special about um, about performing your own songs live. It's just kind of like, I don't really know how to explain it. Like, recording is one thing, because there's a very specific sound in a specific way that you want it to come across in that recording but like live it's just kind of like magic and it's just there and you can feel the energy of the people in the room and um and they can feel the energy from you and it's just kind of like this i don't know i just think that live music in general just brings people together and especially Mm -hmm. in today's world that's just kind of what we need and so i think that if performing live like wasn't a thing. It would just be it wouldn't be as as special. It's always yeah. special to write your own music and to record it and to know that people are listening to it. Like that's amazing. But to be there in the room with those people is just a completely different experience. Yeah.
2: So what about the idea of somebody says to you, Okay, well Megan, we want you to be the opening act for pick an artist. Okay. And that means you're going to be on a bus for the entire summer. And you're mm-hmm. going to have to tour and one nighters and all of that. Are you ready for that? Or is that something you even want to think about doing or where are you at with that?
6: Yeah, I would absolutely love so nothing. Touring more. would be okay for you. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, again, you're in a town full of agents. Go. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be somebody out there looking for you. I would think, I mean, uh, we've just been blown away by your talent since day one. Oh, so you. speaking of, let's go back to what we heard before we started, which was you on the voice. Are you glad you did it or it because I've heard blessing or a curse. Sometimes it can be both.
6: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm absolutely so happy that I, that I got to do that and that I even had that opportunity cause it's hard, um, to even, you know, it's again, there's so much competition and, um, how I got on that show. God only knows. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I'm absolutely, I mean, I met some of the most, amazing people that I'm still like really close with to this day, um, through that show. And my life would look a whole lot different. Um, if I wasn't on that show, um, I wouldn't have met my now fiance. Um, so that,
2: so there's that.
6: Yeah. So there's that. Um, and that's always crazy (laughs) to think about too. So, cause, uh, I met him, Andrew, uh, through one of my friends that I was on the show with. Oh, okay. Um, I moved here to Nashville and she, a few months before I moved here, she was like, Hey, I heard you're moving to Nashville. Like, I do you want to live together. I need a roommate. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I moved in with her. Everything's then, cheaper.
2: Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. <I was> like,
6: <laughs> where do I sign? Um, but, uh, yeah. And so then I moved in and maybe like literally a week later, she was like, you and my friend Andrew would be so good together. And I was like. Immediately, no, absolutely not, like never met him, had no idea who he was, but I was just why are you I, trying
2: to set me up, yeah,
6: yeah, I was like, I'm just not here for that, um, and uh, I was just so new too that I was just like that's the last thing on my mind right now, um, and uh, yeah, now we're getting married next June, so
2: congratulations, <laughs>
6: thank you, yeah,
2: yeah, that's huge, yeah, okay, nice. well, and he's obviously cool with your career, yeah, yeah. Yeah. he's is, very and he's, supportive and is he in the music business as well he yes he writes um and
6: he produces and oh, plays okay. and all that good stuff so yeah he like any,
2: any chance of it. the two of you will work together on stuff yeah we have he
6: so uh he is the andrew that i wrote ain't that crazy with oh gotcha yes i just figured i would you know it would have been like a
2: weird I didn't hear a Shakespearean last name, so I yeah. wasn't sure how to react.
6: <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Um yeah. yeah, so he's one of the writers on Ain't That Crazy and then my single before that, if I knew, um I wrote with him and our friend Whitney Dean.
2: Oh, um he's, he's a good he, writer.
6: He's a great writer, yeah. And he co-produced oh. that one um with our friend Whitney and um yeah, so no, we've we've worked together and So it's uh, a team.
4: Yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah. And I'm traveling this summer for some gigs and so um, he's playing on one of them with me and, um, yeah.
2: Now what happens with the last name? Cause if I remember you were Megan Rose for a while. I was now, is that your middle name or is it, do you just pull that? Oh, okay. And oh, then yeah. Rose is the middle name. And now Megan Wilder, where'd that mm-hmm. come from? I honestly have no idea.
6: I really couldn't tell you. I yeah. just, was kind of like Rose is really like, I know a lot of people that their artist names are like something Rose or I'd heard of people like, their artist yeah. name is insert first name and then Rose. And so I was just kind of mm-hmm. like, well, I got to do something different and my real last name is not going to work. So
2: <laughs> darn right. It isn't, uh, it, we like, don't even so have, a right. we were going to do a crawl with your real last name and the computer just said, no.
6: Yeah. So. she was like, uh, no, that's, that's too, <laughs>
2: yeah, too long. many letters. So yeah. wilder, that's well, it's wilder that you just pulled that out of thin air, I guess. Yeah. I really, people ask me all the time, like, where did that come from? And I'm like,
6: Tell you. I the no only idea.
2: two Wilders I know would be, uh, the actor Gene Wilder, right? Who okay. was in, uh, do you know who that is? Uh, Willy I've Wonka. I've heard
6: that name before. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. The, the original Willy Wonka. He was yeah. Willy Wonka. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, Matthew Wilder was a singer-songwriter who had one hit and then went away. Break My Stride. You remember that one? Ain't nothing going to break my stride. I think it's been, I think it's been sampled and used again or redone or somebody's got it in a rap song or something. But anyway, those, those are the two Wilders I know you are already the most famous of the three Wilders. So at least with me anyway, you know, well, shoot, man, we're going to, we're going to play some of the new music here as we wrap up. And, uh, in fact, we'll play your news. This is your new single.
6: Ain't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. See, I, I think that, you know, you do a great job with it, but I think if, if, uh, some of those top tier artists, like uh, Taylor Swift were to hear this, they'd be like, Oh, we're, we're, we're going to record that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Well, what would you do? Would you just freak? Like, go for it? Yeah. Yeah. Be like, like um, Oh, I, I would Thanks start it. shopping for a house because me and Andrew are about to step it up a little bit. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of money when a big artist does your song, right?
6: Yeah. 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 There, I mean, there's also when a big artist does. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people involved, um, and they want to make money too. So sure. yes, there is a lot, <laughs> yeah. but a lot
2: hey, of money. Get for selfish now. reasons though, I would prefer that doesn't happen and that you be the one that gets all the, uh, the success and the accolades that go with it. Your performance is great. And, uh, everybody that I've played it for just loves the song. So we're going to play that. It's kind of our way out of here, but you promise you'll stay in touch. Absolutely. You will? Yes. Of okay. course. Don't forget our number. And when, <laughs> I hey, and when you're in Vegas, make sure you let us know so we can see you, okay? I will. Yes, All right. absolutely. And hi to mom and dad. All right. Yes. Okay. I there she goes. Don't. Megan Wilder. Don't call her Rose because that's not my name.
5: The way okay. you left is <laughs> giving me some perspective, Seeing things that I'm Door is broken. I can see through all the smoking mirrors. I that I got my mind right. I can see exactly who you were in hindsight. I finally see you in the right light. You look like the bad guy. I bet your ex.
2: call one listen uh, just one time hear that and you go yep i love it every bit of it that is megan wilder ain't that crazy uh, you're hearing it here on the radio now maybe for the first time but i have a feeling you're going to be hearing it quite a bit and what a what a great uh, conversation just a, a well-rounded very centered lady and uh, we've watched her grow up so that's that's kind of neat when you see somebody get all mature you know and i know you're like, well, Wayne, when's that going to happen for you? You might have to wait for a while, okay? <laughs> it might be uh, a little ways down the road. Okay, score. I told you four to nothing. I, that was my prediction. I said four zip. This thing is going to end up in in uh, Vegas' favor, four to nothing. And I was right about the score. I was wrong about the team. Unfortunately, the Vegas Golden Knights right now are on the wrong end of a four to nothing score. And we don't like that. So there's still time to do something about it. But I think where we went wrong is we didn't play the hockey song. Hello out there. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Did you sing along? Did you know every single word? I know you did. All right. See, last time we played that, the, the, the Golden Knights won and they won by quite a lot. So I'm going to predict that because we just played that, everything's going to change. And by the time we leave the air tonight, uh, they'll be on the board and on their way to coming back and winning this game.
1: Hi there, this is Kirby Schofo with Realty here in Las Vegas. Real estate is always changing, be it a buyer's market, a seller's market. At Schofo Realty, it's your market. Buying or selling, we have the team and the tools to work the market so it works for you. We are excited that we're on the Wayne Coy Show. Our results blessed us with the Zillow Flex partnership roughly about two years ago due to our consistent conversion and customer service scores. With conversion, that means we can Close, and with our customer service course, you know you're going to get the best service possible. We're always looking for agents led by mentorship, resources, and experience. We are your guide. Find us. Kirby4U.com. That's K-I-R-B-Y, the number for the letter U, dot com. kirby 4 Or call 702-766-9538. Again, 702-766-9538 nine, five, three, eight.